When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Action Fanatics, welcome to the first Bulletproof Podcast of 2022. Chris the Brain, Chad Cruz with you. Happy New Year, Chad Cruz. Thank you so much, Mr. Brain. It's, uh, it is another year. Yeah. Uh, now I have to get a new calendar, which is always a pain in the ass. Yeah, I'm sure it is. It Real is. Real difficult. I mean, that's a, a third world problem. Worst part of the new year, new calendar. Was God. it a first world problem? It's first world. Is it a second world problem? Is there a second world? Yeah, the first world is actually the uh, Allied powers from World War II. Second world would be the Communist Party, right? And then the or the the red red people, okay. <laughs> the communists, and then okay. third world would be people not included in the first two. Gotcha. Fact right, check well, that. I, I, I will, send yeah. that. Send that to Snopes or those. You well, know, they're not right. reliable, but send it to someone. Right. Right. Well. I'll tell you what is reliable, and that is BulletproofAction.com. We've got something new each and every day. Uh, And recently, Chad, our Christmas special, I wanted to just uh, bring that up. We did the the seasonal films. We we looked back at them, and we did the seasonal seven. And I just wanted to thank our special guest that joined us for that, uh, Big Mike Leader, who is a Hong Kong movie legend at this point. I mean, the man is involved in so many things going on in the Hong Kong movie action scene for years now worked with just about everybody you could think of brought his expertise and his personal uh, relationship with uh, Darren Shalavi, who was right. uh, unfortunately we've lost him, uh, but was a big major player in blood moon, which was one of the seven seasonal uh, films we've talked about. Yeah. It's always cool when you can uh, be in contact with somebody who had a connection to the film uh, not only, you know, like, oh, it meant a lot to me when I saw it for the first time, but, hey, I was involved in this film, and one of my best friends was in the film. Right. So, yeah, it's always kind of cool to get a different perspective. And then we had your good buddy Paul London on there for the first time, which was pretty exciting to finally see. Paul And, boy, did he uh, did he go. He went on a deep dive. I, like, he went hard. I, we, you know, a couple paragraphs is all I need from you, Paul. And uh, he went to town. and uh, that, But that's him. I mean – Speaking to him and talking to him for years now, and when we get onto movies, especially movies that he loves, it's like you can't turn him off. Once he's going, right. he's going. And uh, yeah, a, a big surprise there. A lot of work there from from uh, Paul London. So we want to thank Paul and Mike for joining us, and hopefully we could collaborate with them again and down the road on other various projects and ideas. Right. Um, so yeah, that was our Christmas gift to the action fanatics of the world and just wondering if you got any interesting action related Christmas gifts, Chad, you know, I, I only got one film this Christmas and it's one that I've actually never seen. It is the, uh, John Woo classic hero shed no tears. 
Yes. And, and I remember I, I sent a picture of it to you. Yeah. And I think you mentioned you had not seen it. I have not. So, so and, and I, I don't think it was easily accessible for, for many years. And then now, you know, in the last few years, it's it's become something. Uh, it had like a, a cult following for a while because it was a John Woo film and it was right. early in his career. And it had just uh, extreme violence in it, which is always fun. Um, so, yeah, I was excited. I, I added it to my list because my family was just bitching about me not having anything on my list. So I said, there you go. Here's a $25 Blu-ray. Well, there you go. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm almost assuming at this point we will probably uh, read something about it on bulletproofaction.com. Yes, you will eventually when I get a time, get time to watch it. Yeah, I got an interesting movie, uh, Steel Dawn, the Patrick Swayze yes. post-apocalypse. I have not seen that one in years. Uh, so I'm looking forward to revisiting, and I'm sure I will do something with that. I believe there's a commentary with uh, director okay. Lance Hool on it. So uh, that could be a potential 10 things, or maybe I'll do a review. Right. Uh, another thing I got, definitely been looking forward to this one, the biography of Alexander Fushang, who is uh, like my favorite Shaw Brothers guy. Okay. From Terrence J. Brady. So I'm looking forward to getting into that. I did by myself the the Shaw Scope uh, Volume 1 from Arrow Video, the beautiful collection they've put together. That's cool looking. It looks like it was probably about $1,000. It was not $1,000. Okay. It was north of 100 but not 1000 Okay. And then uh, the, the thing, probably the big surprise gift was the Iron Eagle soundtrack on vinyl. <laughs> which I, I don't have really any way to play it, but it doesn't matter. It just will make a beautiful, put it in a frame. and Yeah, it's a cool piece. It's a nice piece to my collection, and Iron Eagle is, yeah. is awesome. And just a spoiler alert, I think this is the year we will finally be covering Iron Eagle. Yes, 100%. So something to look for. I believe it's the 35th anniversary coming up this year. Oh, okay. Or no, that was last year. It doesn't matter. We're doing it. Yeah. We're doing it anyway. Um, so, yeah. Uh, hopefully uh, some of you guys got some great action-oriented Christmas gifts. If you want to share those with us, of course, you could do that on social media, at Bulletproof Pod on Twitter and at Bulletproof Action on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is a interesting time of year, Chad, because some people, it, the holidays are a depressing time of year. So they might be coming out of that depression now that the holidays are over. Right. But for, those, so. but for those who enjoy the holidays this kind of becomes a depressing time of year because there's really nothing to look forward to it's cold in a lot of parts of the world it's dark so early it's dark in the when you wake up it's dark when you before you're even done with work it's it's just a uh, you know not not much going on so we wanted to do something big to start off our, our 2022 podcast and we got one of the best action movies of all time some might say the best and it would yes. be hard to argue with them we're going to talk about commando yes. so if you're if you're ready let's party i am you've got me so depressed from that last uh i know <laughs> that last bit you got me very depressed but yeah let's let's party let's party let's party because commando was released on october 6 1985 and there's that magic year 1985 i know we've talked about that offline Good year. Probably my favorite year in pop culture, at least for definitely for movies. And uh, this is one of the great examples of it. directed by Mark L. Lester, who also did uh, would go on to do Class of 1999, which I enjoy. And another great one that we probably need to talk about at some point in our lives, 
showdown in Little Tokyo. Right. Is 85 your favorite year because of Death Wish 3? Death Wish 3 is, is part Death of that. Rainbow Commando, 2, part inv- 2. Invasion USA. Yeah. Um, yeah. Remo Williams. Is Remo Williams. So, yeah. Red Sonia. <laughs> no, that one doesn't what? make less, but... Uh, oh my yeah. gosh, why not? I don't know. I don't know if I've ever seen all of that. Maybe I should yeah. give it a look and then I'll determine if it belongs on my great movies of 1985 list or not. It uh, belongs in your movies of 1985 list. Mm-hmm. That obviously it qualifies. For. Yeah. So let's get into this one though. We start off and it's garbage day. Um, and, uh, or really isn't, but it confuses our, our, our man Lawson who goes to rush his garbage out to the curb um, but it's not the regular garbage man, Chad. No, it is not. And, you know, it's an interesting way to start the, the film out because we don't know who Lawson is. No, we, we have no clue. And we don't know who these guys are. Uh, it, it not only is it interesting, it's a cool way to start it because it ha- adds this air of mystery to it. And we get Bill Duke and uh, a favorite of mine, Gary Carlos Cervantes pop out of the garbage truck and just, uh, Unload when well, they got Uzis or something. Yeah, they got Uzis. A couple of submachine guns, just unload on Lawson and just leave him dead in the street. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even like, when okay. he's dead, uh, old cook, Bill Duke, just c- continues to unload. He's like, man. He's brutal. Yeah. Then, if that was enough, Cook goes to uh, get himself a Cadillac. And that's where he meets uh, Forrestal, the, uh, the salesman. And uh, we get, uh, yeah, he just gets run down. Just runs them right, runs right over him, crashes through, doesn't pay. It, yeah. It's a free Cadillac. That's what he liked best <laughs> about it was the price. It's a very cinematic. It's a very cinematic way to not only kill someone but to get a, a, a free vehicle out of it. Yeah, and then last but not least, we see Bennett, uh, played by the legendary Vernon Wells. Um, he goes in his what he's got like a little tugboat or something. Yeah, a little boat. And. Uh, it seems to be something weird, though, with his death. There's a lot of eyes looking across here and there. But anyway, yeah. he, he gets in his boat, and uh, old Cook again hits a little button, and the whole thing blows up. So, Bluey. Before the opening credits, we get three murders. So <laughs> this movie did not waste any time. It's starting off hot, that's for sure. This is like, you know, a dude doing a suicide dive through the ropes onto his competitor as he's walking down the entrance ramp and then busts him open and then throws him into the ring and we get the ding ding. And yeah, great analogy. Great. Yep. And then we get, then we get to see our hero and what a way to just show him off for the first time. John matrix and his wood. Yeah. Whew. You said it. He's got a big piece of wood and a chainsaw and he's just walking back to his, Cabin in the Woods, uh, that right. he calls home, and you cue the steel drum music. Uh, score in this one by James Horner, who did uh, Kroll, which is probably a, a movie we might want to talk about at some point. Yeah, yeah, it's a and, fun one. Uh, Star Trek II: The Wrath of Khan was another uh, big one that he did. Um, I mean, yeah, the the music here is great, uh, you know, and I think it, any of these awesome movies, everything has to come together. Mm-hmm. And that includes obviously the, the the music and the score, and that you could certainly say that uh, for this and the work that Horner did for it. Uh, and then we meet, possibly, I, you know what? I'm not going to even say possibly. We meet 
the greatest child actor or actress in this case in action movie history. Alyssa Milano as Jenny Matrix. Yeah, what a cool name. But it sounds like something that you you would hear in a business meeting. Like, all right, bring up the Jenny Matrix. Let's see how we did this quarter. <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. I mean, of all the action movies of all time, you think about how many times they've been ruined by kids mm-hmm. and how annoying they are. And Alyssa Milano, she, she toes that line of not only is she not annoying, she's really cool in it. Like uh, she... At no point are you tired of seeing the child on TV because she makes stupid decisions or causes all kinds of stupid chaos and and it makes the villains look dumb and bad because that's what ha- that's one of the things I hate about kids in movies is they make the villains look like dumbasses. Yeah, but she never really does that, you know. Um, even later in the film, as we'll talk about, like when she kind of does get one over on people, it's not because they're uh, ingrates; it's just because like she's she's able to kind of get herself out of type situation. So she is definitely the daughter of John matrix. Yeah. And we get this amazing entrance uh, of John matrix and this like almost like a propaganda video of this fucking man among men. Like he's right. just like this beast of a man. He's conquered nature and he's carrying a tree he on his could back. Have, he could have, you could have played instead of the, the music of James Horner, you could have played the, the William Regal. Yes. He's, he's a man. <laughs> he's famous. a man. Yeah. You could yeah. have played that and it would have fit perfectly here. And it's an incredible opening because you get like, we see John come out of this, you know, just bulging muscles and doing all kinds of cool shit. And then all of a sudden he's throwing his daughter in the air and they're eating ice cream together and yeah. laughing and joking. It's just like the cutest yeah. father daughter moment that you could have in a, yeah. in, especially in an action film. Yeah. It's the entire opening credits is just kind of showing their relationship and their bond. And, uh, Right after the opening credits are done, they're having lunch, uh, but it's interrupted by the sound of helicopters, and in comes General Kirby with some very important news for Matrix, and we find out the three guys that got killed at the beginning were part of Matrix's unit, um, and they've been taken out, so obviously Kirby's got to believe that Matrix himself must be on that list, and uh, he so he leaves two guards there with him. Right. This is a serious situation, Chad. It is indeed. And you kind of get that from General Kirby right away because, you know, Matrix has been out of the game for some time at this point, we have to think, because he has his daughter. How old is she supposed to be in this film? I'm not really sure, but I would assume maybe like 12 or like, yeah, 10, yeah, 11, something like that. Yeah, whatever. Preteen. Right. So, uh, tween? Tween? Tween, yes. There tween. you go. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so we have to assume that he's been out of the game for uh, at least a little while, a few years. Um, but he, uh, you know, he, him leaving guards for John Matrix, not only in his home, but in this cabin in the middle of nowhere, like it almost leads you to believe like, OK, he knows that somebody is going to be after Matrix. And he also potentially has an idea that it's it's like. Somebody big, somebody with the capability of getting to a guy in the right. middle of nowhere and taking him out because he's, he's leaving two two of his best men, not only like his guards, but two of his best men. So, yeah, and one of the guys was uh, played by Bob Miner, who, of course, was the uh, part of Peter Delaplane's evil forces. He was the evil Action Jackson in Action Jackson. Oh, how about that? If you recall. So. That that was a uh, always love to see some action Jackson alumni in uh, in movies. Um, 
which we also got with Bill Duke, I suppose we should. Be yes, there. we did. Um, but yeah, so here's these guys. They're going to they're going to guard things and so be it. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know. Part of me instantly. I, and I've never thought this before, but on the rewatch, I'm like, where are these are these guys going? Where are they going to sleep? Does John have to feed these guys? I mean, what what's yeah. going on? But we don't really have to answer any of those questions. No, because as soon as that helicopter is like out of takes off and out of range, there's people in the bushes and they just start opening fire on everybody and anybody. And one of the guards is instantly killed. Right. Oh, Bob Miner survives a little bit. He gets he gets hit, but he gets into the house. Um, so Matrix or John Matrix sends Jenny in to say, go to your room, hide there until I come get you. He's got to go get his gun. And uh, by the time he gets back, old Bob Miner's dead. Jenny's been taken, and we got old Gary Carlos Cervantes holding the card that Jenny made. Yeah, for John. And, yeah, uh, he, he doesn't have long to live though. After that, no. Another incredible scene, like you say, because there's so many things that you you have to love about Matrix. Matrix's character, like he smells them. Yes, you know he doesn't they, see them, he doesn't hear them, he smells them. You know they're downwind, so. Uh, it's one of those cool things that's kind of a just one line in the script, but it just adds so much uh, awesomeness to the character. And then he goes to his to his uh, his shed to get his guns out, and he has like the the most amazing shed of all time. You know, it's like the one that you would build. Uh, you know, they had Pimp My Ride, yes. and back in the day, whoever that guy was who did that, and uh, someone would be like I really like dogs, so they had Pimp His Ride, and it would just look like a dog. Yeah, you know that's how I that's how I believe that Matrix Matrix got his shed was like he had a little extra space, so it just became like one giant gun shed. Like he loved guns, so but yeah, it's a cool ass scene. Gary Cervantes has no chance in hell. Yeah, um, he tries to yeah he tries to be like oh we've got your daughter here's what you have to do or right. else he doesn't yeah Matrix doesn't even want to hear about it he yeah. just he wrong just shoots him. he just shoots, shoots him right in the forehead. And he is dead. Also dead, though, is Matrix's truck. Yeah, that's a shame. That was a cool truck. He sees the uh, the little caravan going away from his home that obviously has Jenny inside. Um, but uh, it might not start, but old John Matrix, he can improvise with the best of them, Chad. He does. And we, we just saw him getting ice cream, so I don't know how they got to town. Maybe he took it apart after I'm, he got back. I'm thinking that the bad guys may have dismantled it oh yeah that's that's probably true yeah you're right because I'll, i think i think even like bill duke mentions it like oh yeah he doesn't have any breaks or he's not gonna have anything that's, you're right that's probably what happened i don't know how he didn't hear that or smell them doing it right it's a good, but anyways yeah that's a smart smart uh thinking there but yeah he jumps in the truck pushes it as fast and as far as he can and then just starts going down a hill <laughs> which it appears that the road just kind of keeps serpentining. Winding, yeah. It just keeps going down this hill. So he keeps having new opportunities to run into them, uh, which is, a, I mean, it's a really cool scene. But you have to remember this movie was, was originally written. The story was written by Jeff Loeb, who is a massive big wig in, in Marvel now mm-hmm. for Disney, but he was a big DC guy back in the day. He had written a, uh, uh, Long Halloween for for Bat- Batman Long Halloween, and he had written some awesome Superman comics. So this was like John Matrix is a superhero who does not wear tights, essentially. Right. It's a superhero movie. Like there's a freaking. Oh he's yeah. He's basically a mutant. 
He's a one, one man army at, at, yes. by the end. And uh, we'll, we'll get there, folks. We'll get there. Uh, but one of the big revelations comes in now as we find out Bennett is alive. He didn't die in that boat. He is alive. And not only is he alive, he's a traitor. He's working with these bad guys that have this plot to steal or kidnap Jenny to force our hero, John Matrix, into doing something he doesn't want to do. And the man behind all of it is Arius. Right. Played, played by uh, Dan Hedaya. Um, and basically he wants Matrix to go to Valverde. Good old Valverde. Good old Valverde. Is this the first Valverde movie? Um, let's see. Predator. Because Predator was 87. Die Hard 2. Was, what, 90? Yeah, it had to be yeah, after this. So this, this has to be the first one. This has to be. And there was a mention of it in one other film. I can't remember what it was called. But this might be the very first one. All right, well... Let's I'm assume sure, it's first. I'm sure if we're wrong, somebody will tell us. <clears throat> yeah. Um, so, yeah, he wants him to kill the president. Um, so, uh, presumably, he can resume power and rule Valverde the way he wants to. Uh, if Matrix doesn't do this or tries to do anything that deviates from this plan, old Jenny will be mailed to him in pieces. Yeah. That's, that's, that's not good. It's not an efficient way to ship things no. <laughs> no well postage was a lot cheaper back then oh yeah you're probably right i mean in today's world yeah you, you don't you want to do a, you want to get everything in one of those uh flat rate yes um, boxes if you can and and just go from there and that would have been international is that like dhl or something yeah you're, you that's gonna be so good, pricey good point good point all right well then we get to meet sully and that's played by David Patrick Kelly, and he's just a great slime ball character. <laughs> he is. Uh, he's just perfect in that role. Um, Sully's job is to make sure John gets on the plane. Then we got Enriquez, um, and that's another uh, Action Jackson alumni. He was the uh, bartender in that movie, but he's okay. going to uh, make sure that Matrix stays on the plane. Uh, both of these men, just spoiler alert, do a horrible job at individual <laughs> tasks. Yes. We get uh, Matrix hitting the I'll be back Bennett line, which, I mean, an Arnold movie without I'll be back is right. Is it really an Arnold movie? Um, I suppose. But uh, yeah. And, and then we also get the line where he just tells Sully that he likes him and he promises that he'll kill him last. And that <laughs> obviously sets up one of the more comical moments later in the film. Right. But yeah, just a great array. I mean, that's oh my I God. Think the thing that makes Commando so great is just all these bad guys, even if they're just little minor characters in it, they all are unique. They all have some sort of personality and it, it just, they're all very memorable. Right. And, and it comes across and like you said, their, their personality comes across not only in, Oh, we got an origin story for this guy and some flashback. Like I don't need all that shit, but they can take a guy and they can put a funny shirt on him right, and a hat. Right. And, one you know, give him one line of dialogue and I already care more about him than I would, you know, 10 stooges who all wear black. You know what I mean? Right. It, so it's, I, all, it's, it's like, like the, an action figure theory. Like, yes, if we make these in week, if like, if we can make these action figures, we want all these individual characters and people would be like, I want the guy with the Hawaiian shirt. Dude. I want right. The guy with this shirt. Yeah. Right. The, the, and this, these villains end up kind of being the dreadnoughts, you know, they're like, <laughs> each one of them has their own gimmick. They all are really cool and you want every one of their figures, you know, yeah. to kill. So, exactly. Exactly. It's perfect. It absolutely is. So then we get on the, we get onto uh, the plane and 
a very familiar face in the form of our flight attendant, Chelsea Field, or Tila, as she's that, probably most known to you and a, I. What a gorgeous face. She is a, a gorgeous, I'm surprised she did not do more. She's a knockout, man. I, I love seeing her in, a, in any film. Yeah. So she's there as the flight attendant, um, and old Enriquez, before the plane even takes off, he's dead tired. And one of the, uh, you know, again, it's so just little bits of comedy thrown in here. And I mean, j- just showing how awesome John Matrix is. Yeah, he, I mean, shit. It's like, a, you know, they just put a, a, a million different ways to kill a person on a board and they spun it and he just started throwing knives at it. And it was like, oh, break a man's neck on an airplane, you know, <laughs> fling a man from a cliff. Like, and it was just like, he, he's just going to kill a person and, every potential way that you can think of. And and this is a good one because not only does he get a, a smooth kill before departing, he also gets a good one-liner yep. and he has this awesome escape from the plane. Yeah. I mean, who would even, yeah. I wouldn't even think this was possible, but for John Matrix, nothing is impossible. No, no. Jumping from a moving airplane into a swamp and, not even like selling it, just like it just like lands is like, all right, here we go. Yep. That's exactly what I wanted to do, and it worked out perfectly. So <laughs> he, he's off the plane and imme- immediately he's gonna look for Sully because he wants to know what's where they've taken his daughter. Right. And we kind of get that like almost like twenty four the, the television yeah, show. He, se- he sets his watch he, he has does. eleven hours. He has eleven hours to get to her. And he so. checks it throughout the film. So not we're not getting like this uh we're not understanding time because it's a movie, right? But we're watching it through his eyes, like every time he looks at his watch and we see that, like, I don't need to be, I don't need a ticker at the bottom of the screen to tell right. me, but yeah, yeah that, that the, watch the, is a big thing. The occasional check-in, yeah, definitely adds stakes to everything that's going on. And I'm like, man, he hasn't pissed or shit in like seven hours. <laughs> what is he eating? Right. His diet must be incredible. I mean, yeah, we're, we're lucky to make it through one of these uh, podcasts. <laughs> that's, that's actually true, yeah. <laughs> so... Uh yeah, he he's looking for Sully. Goes to the airport. Sully's on a payphone, and we meet a new character, Cindy, played by Radon Chong. She's on the phone, and uh, oh, Sully, uh, he's just he's on the prowl. He, oh my he, God. he thinks he just did a great job. He did his job. He's just he's got to meet up with Bill Duke a little bit later on. But before then, he has a little time for maybe some hanky panky, and yeah. Uh, he he does not make it uh, a mystery that he he would like to get together with old Cindy. No, what a dog! And you know, it's funny because I, I clicked on David David Patrick Kelly's IMDb page, and he is he is uh, described as compact, feisty, and fierce. Yeah, which his uh, you know was it uh, Bumble page would probably say the same thing, <laughs> or Hinge or whatever that people use these days. Uh, uh, yes. I- Yes, I'm sure. Um, so we get Sully, Cindy, and John Matrix all end up in one of the most dangerous places yeah. in action movie history. And this one was actually one of the least dangerous uh, examples, but the parking garage. They're all in the parking garage. It is kind of dangerous to uh, Cindy's car because John does a little remodeling of that, that car. Yeah. Um, and then uh, basically enlists her help to follow this scumbag who just called her a whore because she did not want to uh, fornicate with him. Yeah, (laughs) that's exactly what happened. (laughs) And where do they end up? But the chopping mall itself. 
the old Sherman Oaks Galleria, which is also featured in uh, T2, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. I believe uh, so. And, and we get, you know, there's an awesome car chase uh, from the airport to the to the chopping mall, the, as we'll call it. Yeah. Well, no, the, the car chase comes after. Oh, yeah. my bad. No, yeah, Sorry. because Sully has no idea at this point that yes. Beatrice is there. They're following him. Yes. They're following him. But there you go. And he basically gets to tell Cindy like about what's going on. Sully can't know. So, you know, if he knows this, my daughter's at screw, basically. Um, yeah, and, and Matrix kind of needs her to uh, cozy up to Sully. Yes. You know, cozy up to him, make him feel comfortable, get his, get him to a place where I can take care of him. Mm-hmm. And then then you can be on your way and right. I'll, pay, I'll pay for your car. <laughs> right. But instead, she decides to tip off one of the security guards, which causes quite the hubbub at the mall. Oh, boy. And... Then they start coming after John Matrix, which gets Sully's attention. And now the cat's out of the bag. Sully has to get to the nearest phone. And this is an example of, you know, sometimes we talk about how movies would just end. Yes. In today's world because of cell phones. I mean, this could have been very bad for, I mean, it it would have been bad for Jenny. If he could have just popped out his cell phone and said, hey, Matrix is not on the plane. He's here at the shopping mall, uh, killer. Right. Her, her left leg would be shipped. It would be en route to his house as we speak. Right. Right. So yeah, he could have had the little, uh, I watch or whatever it's called, you know, and just like oh, yeah. a quick just, phone call on it. Boom. Mm-hmm. Or even send End a quick movie. text. Hey, matrix is not Voice on text. plane. Yep. So this is a good time for technology not to be present. Right. Um, but yeah, but- but Matrix even after Matrix. the massive hubbub and, and the the fight, Matrix beats the shit out of like fourteen security guards. Yep. He he swings like Tarzan over the uh, the food court and uh, launches a elevator glass elevator. Um, Sully it. still gets away. He's yeah. He Sully's in the phone booth and phone booth. Picks, that's what it was. Picks up the whole phone booth and just dumps it. So yeah, but Sully does manage to get away. He's got a nice sweet Porsche. Uh, so he takes off. Um, Cindy now, I think, realizes, oh, shit, this guy Matrix was telling me the truth. And this guy Sully is a, is the dirtiest piece of shit on the planet. So she's now fully on board. We get the car chase here. Yep. Which ends in epic fashion with uh, uh, old Cindy's car hits a pole. The Porsche and Sully are flipped on its side. And uh, then we get the, the famous cliff scene, Chad Cruz. Right. You know, our buddy John, he, he said he mentioned that he liked Sully and that, you know, he promised to kill him last. And uh, it's not something that Sully would forget. You know, he's, he's the kind of guy who he probably has an equal bit of fear as as well as admiration for Matrix for being such a badass. And then seeing Matrix there at the mall, that fear really took over. Sully took off running. He gets in his Porsche. He gets in his crazy car car chase and then crash. They're both battered, beaten up on the side of a cliff. And he is uh, useless. He, he can't do any, he's helpless in Matrix's hands. And that is the moment that he wishes to to bring up that line that Matrix said to him earlier. And that was that I'll, I'll kill you last. And he just reminds him that uh, he said, you kill me last. I'm clearly not the last person alive. Right, but but Arnold 
went through too much trouble to get there. <laughs> I don't think he was going to, uh, you know, turn back around and, and come back to this one. So, yeah, he just hangs him from the edge of a cliff, holding him upside down with one arm like you would yeah. a child. One ankle. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a great scene. And then he just says, I lied. And he drops him off the cliff. Yeah. And when, when Cindy asked what happened to him, he just said, well, I let him go. <laughs> Which was a hundred percent accurate. So, but now he doesn't have a car. But yes, he does. He just puts a, <laughs> pushes the Porsche over on its on the four wheels, and they're off. Um, and uh, yeah, they end up going to the motel that uh, Sully was supposed to meet Cook at, and then we get a pretty memorable Cook and Sully fight, or I'm sorry, Cook and Matrix fight. Yeah. It's memorable for multiple reasons because not only is it like a, a brutal, it's just different from a lot of the other fights in this movie, but it's, it's, it's punches and it's kicks and it's, you know, fuck you, fuck you, you know, and then they get thrown through a door and there's a naked chick on the other side of their titties hanging out. And well, yeah. It's, it's just a, yeah, it's a, one of those amazing motels where every other room is full of people banging. <laughs> It's weird how that happens in movies. It's, it's the no-tell motel. That's where there's, people like to go to do those things. There's never just like a family over there screaming <laughs> like, oh, my God. Right. Uh, but, some, yeah. They, some elderly couple there. Yeah, so on, their way, on their way to the pie capital of America. <laughs> um, yeah, we get this awesome fight in Matrix eventually impales Cook on some like uh, iron like rebar that was there. Uh and yeah, Cindy's sitting right there watching it all happen, and she's like in shock. Which you can't blame the woman for good reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can't blame her. So then they go through Cook's car. They find a, Cindy finds a clue. Yeah, and that leads to another clue, and that is a map. And they have figured out where they have Jenny. Um, and we should probably mention that conveniently. Yeah, this random woman that John Matrix mm -hmm. enlisted is training to be a pilot yeah i mean not okay she had a, she had a, a badass car super fast yep uh she is attractive so for one uh sully hit on her and then she, he used cindy to get back at like to get sully back to kind of bring him back a little bit and then he used cindy again for cook she pretended like she was an escort of some kind mm -hmm. at the to open the door so she is like so useful. Uh, yeah. I mean, fate is in his, was in his corner here because this girl, now she can fly a plane. My God, what's next? Is she like, is she a martial arts superstar too or what? Right. I mean, we talked about uh, Jenny being one of the greatest yeah. uh, kids in action movie history. I would think uh, you'd have to count Cindy as one of the greatest unlikely sidekicks in action yes. movie history. And she loves to go shopping, I'm sure. Well, who doesn't? She's uh, a woman. <laughs> and, and she goes, they go shopping all right. And, uh, you know, Matrix doesn't actually, it's after hours, uh, first of all. But Matrix ha doesn't need a key. No. He just bulldozes right through it. Um, <laughs> which I was glad that we do get the police shortly thereafter. Because yeah. he, I mean, this would be, a, it's a little obvious that something's going on awry. It's not like he just popped open the back door right. uh, with a crowbar. No, he drove a freaking bulldozer through the front of the store. Um, and yeah, they, they, he's, he's getting his arsenal together, including the iconic rocket launcher. Yeah. I don't know what kind of rocket launcher this is, but it, I feel like it's, uh, as much a part of my childhood as anything else, just because, you know, one, I've seen this movie so many times, but then this became 
the the image in my mind when I thought of a rocket launcher for so long, right? Um, just because it looks so badass, and it, he uses it multiple times throughout the film, and then it just seemed like like this is the coolest weapon. This has to be used worldwide in every combat situation ever. And then, of course, you know, I I, I joined the army. I, I'm in the infantry, and I go to combat, and I've never seen a rocket launcher like this ever again. And I don't think G.I. Joe even had a rocket launcher like that, which is worse. There is one. Is there one? Okay. It's not exactly the same, but it is like the four-barreled rocket launcher. And I actually still have one to this day. It's in my son's box right now. All right. Well, there there you go. I I did not remember, but it definitely felt like a G.I. Joe weapon. Yeah, it did. As it should, because it's so cool looking. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So as I mentioned, as I kind of – spoiled a bit the cops do show up matrix gets arrested um but here again proving she's one of the best sidekicks ever cindy and the rocket launcher to the rescue cindy is apparently a speed reader as well because <laughs> she read the instruction manual on her, or it's a very simple to use i don't know uh, or maybe a little bit of both um but yeah she uh, she puts that rocket launcher it it works it was definitely worth the well they didn't pay for it but if they did pay for it it'd been worth it worth every penny yeah so but she gets her oops moment too because she she blows up the car behind him or something which is yeah that's a classic (laughs) just great another funny moment yeah again that's throughout this entire film we get those those moments and now her pilot training is going to come be put to the test because she's used to flying cessnas like my good friend Doug Masters and Iron Eagle. Yes. Um, but uh, here she's got a seaplane. And an old seaplane, too. Yeah. So she's not quite used to that, but she figures it out. And then we get a little cameo appearance in here, Chad. Right. Yeah, yeah. our good friend. Go you know, I, we get a cameo, okay? And right. we have to we have to mention that uh, we get to see Bill Paxton here. Yeah. Uh, and he's just like a radar guy, correct? Yes. And he must have become good friends with Arnold at some point in his lifetime because he just keeps appearing in Arnold movies. And he had already done Terminator, uh, the Terminator right. with him before this. Um, and then, you know, later on, of course, he'll be in True Lies. And, and I think they appeared in one of the film together. But um, yeah, I mean, Bill Paxton is the type of guy who ends up on like, a third of our podcast episodes just as a guy in the background. So he's one of those guys. He's just always in amazing movies. And he's a guy I always forgets in this movie. And then I see him. I'm like, Oh yeah, Bill Paxton's in this. Uh, It's not like he's got a big role. Exactly. Exactly. So we cut over to our villains and, uh, you know, Bennett is basically shit talking Arius's soldiers. And, you know, me and me and matrix could take them all out and blah, blah, blah. And, Reminds him, you know, I'm the only thing standing between you and John Matrix because believe, you know, because Bennett makes a great point. You know, he's assuming that John will go kill the president of Alberta. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But even if he does or doesn't, there's one place he's going to end up when it's over, and that's mm-hmm. Arius and to get his daughter. And, uh, you know, so he's trying to like put the fear of God and Arius and Arius says, you know, I think you're the one who's scared. And he's like, yeah, I am scared. Cause I'm smart because he knows he was trained by John matrix. Right. So he knows what the man is capable of. And that is another brilliant scene. Um, because so 
so many off so often you get to see these villains and they say stupid things or they don't fear anyone you know they're just not they're not smart bright guys but we see that bennett not only does he know john matrix like intimately wait i don't know about that he knows him very very well he was trained by him he spent years uh fighting with him um he's the perfect guy to be you know on the opposite side of him here but he knows that matrix is like the ultimate killing machine and not only is he like i you have to prepare and i'm the only guy that could potentially stand up against him but I'm afraid for my damn life because Matrix is a killer. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And we all get to know John Matrix a little bit more intimately because we get Black Speedo John Matrix (laughs) as he goes in his little (laughs) raft, (laughs) little boat, and uh, makes his way to the island uh, where he transforms into fully loaded John Matrix. He's got the war paint. He's he's all arm. He's just, it's awesome. Oh, yeah. That's, you know, that's what you kind of assumed uh, every hero in every movie would look like after this was, you know, you got this stupid camouflage paint that makes no sense and a vest with a bunch of grenades hanging off of it, which makes no sense. It's just like, it's a, yeah, it's this incredible look, but beyond the look, I mean, now he's just got, now he's got to use all these cool things. It's out of the pages of a GI Joe comic book. It really is. It's, it's amazing. Um, so we get, we get him and he's, he's just going to it. He's just about to get, go to work. Um, (laughs) but now we go cut back to Arius. Who's got the news. Bennett was not on that or uh, matrix was not on that plane. So he sends Bennett to go kill Jenny. And we find out Jenny, she has managed to uh, escape, you know, she is again definitely the daughter of John Matrix, right? And this, I, I'm assuming that he, uh, I mean, we got to think about this. What was like 11 hours that he had to do all this stuff? Yeah, okay. So the plane lands and Matrix is not on it, and then they see Henriquez being carried out dead. So they're like, okay, Matrix didn't show up, make the phone call. Now Arius knows. Well, I know that seaplanes aren't that fast. Right. You couldn't fly to South America in 10 hours or nine hours. I don't care who you are. Uh, so I'm going to call bullshit on this whole movie. Sorry. Well, no, okay. Now you've just ruined everything. For Cut me. it all out. Couldn't happen. Impossible. But are they all the way in South America or is he just somewhere know. off the coast of California? I believe is where he actually, Actually, I think Valverde's in Central America, if I remember correctly. But yeah, but I don't think Arius's place is in Valverde. Oh, it's not. No. Okay. So, well, no. I think he's I just. Anything. I think he's just off the coast of California somewhere at some little secluded island where he's hiding out. And then, yeah, obviously the the commercial plane was heading to Valverde, and that did take a good chunk of that eleven hours. I gotcha. I, I okay. think they do say how long the flight is. I think. He even, I think, Matrix asked, like, how yeah, we'll be landing in thirteen hours, yeah, right, something like that. So yeah, so he figures he has the time. Okay, all right. Yeah. So Forget yeah, it. so your your theory sucks. Thank uh, you, and that's fine. But you know what doesn't suck is John Matrix blowing shit up. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and and we see the same like three buildings blown yes. up from every possible angle. Uh, so it looks like he has destroyed much more. But uh, he, he's gunning down guys. He's blown up buildings. Uh, he has arrived, and Bennett is like 
jizzing himself because he's like, <laughs> oh yeah, John Matrix, welcome back. We're going to have our confrontation once and for all. Yeah, Vernon Wells forgot which villain he was playing. He he thought he was the Road Warrior villain and he was jizzing all over himself. So yeah. Uh, then we also find out, you know, John Matrix does not need a gun or a grenade. He can use a pitchfork. Hell yeah. A saw blade. He machetes a guy's arm off. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, though, you give him a machine gun, he's even better. So he takes yeah. a, a bunch of guys with that machine gun. I mean, we know Arnold is down for banging maids. I guarantee he's banged some <laughs> some uh, some lawn people, some landscapers. So he spent some time in the shed. So once he sees that pitchfork, that saw blade, man, he, he, he didn't even – he didn't even waste a moment, man. He came out throwing shit at people, slicing dudes' arms off. He was throwing saw blades at guys like they're darts. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a it's a ridiculous scene, but it's no more ridiculous than him just like walking into this compound and blowing up building after building while just standing there. Yeah, <laughs> and just wasting folks. It's great. So of course, this all is going to lead up to Matrix versus Bennett. Uh, but by the time he gets to uh, Bennett, Bennett has gotten to Jenny, who is yeah. just kind of running around. They were in a boiler room, which I don't know. I mean, I guess if it's off the coast of California, it could get cold. So they would need a boiler room because if this was in <laughs> South America, what the fuck do you need a boiler room for? <laughs> um, so so the, I guess that's more proof that they are, in fact, off the coast of California. Sure. We'll, um, we'll accept that. Uh, so yeah, they're they're in this boiler room, which comes into play, and then we get the, the we get the line. Well, first, you know, you know, Matrix plays some serious mind games with Bennett, plays up to his ego and his oh, yeah. desire to want to best his, you know, the student defeating the teacher type situation. Yeah. Um, basically, makes him give up his advantage of having Jenny. I mean, he has Jenny, which he he gives that up. He gives up the gun. And he's like, just fight me one on one. My, you know, I've I got a bad arm. You've got the advantage. Okay, I'll do it. And not a good move, Chad. Yeah, I mean, this is the perfect case where you know we we just talked about like Bennett knows Matrix. Well, Matrix also knows Bennett, and he knows what what drives him and mm-hmm. what's driving him now is the the idea that he's better than Matrix and that you know Matrix got all the credit when he was the real boss and. Uh, or whatever. So, you know, now Matrix is saying like, now's your chance. Like, kill me. Come on, do it. I'm here. Kill me. I'm here. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, it, it plays out perfectly as Matrix had hoped and planned. And sadly enough, Bennett is just not man enough to stand up to John Matrix as, as almost no one on the planet would be. So no, no I mean, there's no shame in it. Uh, he no. does get a pipe to the chest. And then we get the famous let off some steam Bennett line um, and he's done. And uh, that's about the time general Kirby and, and the cavalry show up and he's, he asks them, is there anything left? Just bodies. Yeah. Um, and Kirby's like, Hey, why don't you start up your unit again and uh, get the little sequel tease. But old Arnold shoots it down. John matrix shoots it down right away with no chance, no chance. And, uh, and it all wraps up just spectacularly with power stations. We fight for love. You know, so often on this show, we talk about these great songs. This is up there. This is top yeah. five eighties action anthems mm-hmm. for me. Um, if we had a 
Bulletproof Action presents the best 80s action hits, uh, this would be on it for sure. Yeah, and you know what? I actually used this as an entrance theme at the very tail end of my wrestling career. Um, for I think I might have used it three times. All right. Uh, but there were three very happy moments in my life when I got to come out to the song. It's a great song. And it means a lot to me. And, you know, at the end, uh, we get that the seaplane lands as General Kirby's men are just flocking all over the beach. Uh, late, of course, for the party. And, uh, and then we see Cindy kind of stepping off of the seaplane. And Matrix just kind of gives her the look, you know, and he, he utters the line, no chance. Yeah. And it, you know, if I, if I can rebook it for a moment. Yes, please do. We love when you do that. Okay. I'm going to rebook something here. And I already mentioned that John Matrix is essentially a superhero. It's a story written by a guy who writes comic books. He has gone on records to say this is his first superhero story. And, uh, that he thinks this is the best superhero movie ever made, or he did at the time. But I think, wouldn't it have been amazing if General Kirby, at the very end, when he's trying to get his, you know, I, hey, John, I want you to start up your old unit again. And he, like, has a briefcase, and he hands it to Matrix, and Matrix opens it, and it's like a Captain America costume. Mm. You know, because he's a super soldier, right? Right. He closes it, locks it, no chance. And then, Boom. We fight for love. That, I mean, that might be the best part is your singing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, an amazing film. As I said at the start, if people, there are people out there who think this is the greatest action movie of all time. I'm, I don't know if I'm all the way there, but I'm pretty close, and I would not yeah. argue with you because you have a lot of ammunition here to back up your claim as we have just gone over for the last 40-some minutes. So, yeah, I mean... It, it, Again, this is like we say this a lot, or I say it a lot. If you have not watched this movie in a while, do yourself a favor and put this thing back on because it was a. It's been a couple of years for me, and I was just. I think I sent you a text about ten minutes in, and was like, "This thing is outstanding." Yeah, it, every piece comes together, like you said. I mean, in great movies like this, that's often the case. Is uh, you know, Jim Horner does the score, and the soundtrack is fantastic, and of course, the hero is amazing. You know, Arnold was was at peak form here. Oh yeah, and the he has so many great one-liners, and whether they were written in the script that way, it doesn't matter because anybody who wrote this film is going to get credit for that now. Like you're a freaking genius! Like Arnold's lines are incredible, um, and every character. We talked about how Alyssa Milano was great as a you know even a child actor here. Uh, Ray Don Chong was great. Like there's just there's no one to complain about in this film, which is I can't think of another movie where I have no one to complain about. Right. Right. And I think it really was a kind of a turning point for Arnold uh, as well. I mean, I think this is the one that really proved, okay, this guy could be, I mean, he played Conan, which yeah. was like he was born to play Conan. Right. He played a freaking robot cyborg. <laughs> I mean, yeah. okay. But here he was just a guy. And, and I yeah. think that's why they gave him the daughter and showed that, that whole thing at the beginning to humanize him. Mm -hmm. And make him like, a, you know, he could be a normal guy as well as a super soldier. And uh, yeah, it, it's, this is a just a fantastic movie. And again, if you think it's the greatest action movie of all time, good for you. I will not argue with you. Um, I love it. I, I want to watch it again. It's, yeah, it's I, one of those that I'm like, I, OK, I watched it for for work, but now I just want to walk and watch <laughs> it for pleasure. I think this is my number one background movie. Uh 
Yeah. You know, that movie you put on that you've seen so many times, you know, every line, every scene. Uh, it's just a comfort movie. Mm-hmm. I don't have to watch every second of it because I know it. So, right. but this is, this was always that movie for me to put on. And while I'm, you know, I like to paint while I paint or while I do something else. And uh, yeah, I, this, this one, I mean, my, on my deathbed, I'll still love this movie. So. Well, there you have it. 1985's Commando. We came into 2022 hot with that one. Hard. And yeah, hot, hot Extremely and hard. hard. Oh, yeah. And uh, we've got a lot more. As I said, we're going to do Iron Eagle down the road. Uh, I know we've been talking about some potential Cynthia Rothrock this year. Yes. Um, perhaps a little Gladiator 1992 version at yes. some point. So. We've got a lot of ideas. Maybe uh, both versions. Why not? Maybe. <laughs> I don't think I like that idea, but maybe what? anything's possible. Um, so yeah, we got a lot planned for 2022. We want to thank everybody, of course. Uh, and just another reminder: social media at Bulletproof Pod on Twitter, at Bulletproof Action on Instagram and Facebook, and of course the website BulletproofAction.com. Something new each and every day. Again, uh, you could be seeing some. Some John Woo uh, coming up here soon. You could be mm-hmm. seeing some Steel Dawn coming up here soon. I know we're going to probably have uh, Christy Petrillo, the Toy Man, will be giving his uh, season four Cobra Kai thoughts uh, once he uh, binge watches that. I'm sure at this point that this airs, he's already done so. <laughs> probably. I probably have already done so as well, to be honest with you. I'm excited about that. So, uh, yeah, a big 2022 planned for the site and for the podcast. Anything you want to add, Chad Cruz, before yeah. we wrap things up? My final thing to say was, is to do yourself a favor. And if, you know, you, you've got these new year's resolutions, um, if, if they're still in place, if you haven't given up on them yet, and if one of them is to, you know, get in shape, to lose some weight, to be healthier, all these things, use what you've learned here today power station we fight for love it's an amazing song add it to a playlist put it first on your playlist and i guarantee it will add probably uh, 15 to 20 percent extra on any workout you do see where i thought you were about to go with that chad was to get yourself a bulletproof action t-shirt but get it a size (laughs) smaller than what you're currently wearing yeah so then in order to wear it you have to lose the weight Yes. So you could properly wear it and not look like uh, an idiot with your gut hanging out. Right. And that's the, that's a smart way of doing it. Uh, it's one way. The other way is to buy two t-shirts and one, one of one them. One you could wear now and then one once you yes. lost the weight. And exactly. maybe a third one in case you just completely say screw it and eat even more. Yeah, by all all the sizes because you never know what could happen. <laughs> right. So, yeah, and you could get the link for those t-shirts at bulletproofaction.com. All right, Chad, this has been a wonderful start to our 2022 season of podcasts here. I want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. listening to the Geekscape Network.